Welcome to the Upshot, Ulti World Disc Golf's podcast about the latest in the disc golf world. I'm the editor, Charlie Eisenhood. It is Tuesday, January 9th. Joining me is Josh Mansfield. And Josh, it's the moment we've been waiting for. The sponsorship news bomb drops on us on Monday, January 8th. And, you know, a lot of speculation about this. And it turns out the rumors are true. Tiger Woods, Nike, it's over. <laughs> it's over. That, that was the news. That was the news everyone on this podcast was waiting for. <laughs> I, I realized just how messed up my search algorithms and like my customized feed are on all my socials and news when like all I saw was the news about a disc golfer and I had to scroll a ways before I ever saw <laughs> the news about Tiger. And, and I mean, I'm pretty connected in the sports like media and like watching sports news I, and it took me a while to find this one so uh yeah it's i mean it's, it's big news though i really i think there are some interesting news and, and like what tiger is going to do next you know he says there's another chapter coming um i i think there's some really interesting discussion that could happen around tiger but i just want to point out one thing uh tiger woods this is an article in reuters you can find it anywhere i'm sure though uh, he signed his first five-year deal in 1996 Charlie, how much do you think that five-year deal was worth? I, he was he was what he was like fourteen or something. He was like not he had, he. I don't know if he's quite that young, but he no, was super I, young. I think he was. I think he was twenty. Okay, then yeah, I was just twenty. Wrong. Okay, <laughs> I'm just wrong. But um, five years. Yep. I'll say twenty-five million. <laughs> Forty million. Wow. <laughs> In 1996, eight million a year in '96, which yeah. you know whatever that is today, it's oh, oh geez, yeah. probably you know 14 million a, a, in 2023 dollars, yeah. 2024 dollars. We, we got a ways um, to go. <laughs> I and like you know what a monster, like Nike. Nike loves to have the the iconic athletes uh-huh. as part of their brand forever you know uh, it's in a way it's surprising that this happened but nike's also been sort of divesting from golf for a while mm. so yeah i wonder whose decision it was and was it because of money or was it because of something else because remember nike stuck it out with tiger even when he was going through it with the like you know affair and the drama <clears throat> the drama like they didn't drop him even though a lot of his other sponsors did yeah and so I'm and sure that it's like, I, I just wonder, honestly, if Nike was like, I don't, we don't want to pay you what it is anymore because we, we're not as much in the golf. I haven't really seen any reporting on exactly what's happening there, but yeah, you know, he's not playing much anymore. Is he connecting with today's golf fan in the same way? I don't, you know, it is surprising though because I feel like you could sell Tiger Woods golf apparel for literally forever. Uh, for, yeah. Yeah. I think so too. But should we talk about the other sponsorship news, Charlie? Let's do it. Okay. It is confirmed Eagle McMahon is leaving Discmania. And so all the rumors were true. The snapshot of the YouTube uh that went private that we saw on Reddit, it was real. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Like as you pointed out, Josh, last week, it would have taken an immense effort in Photoshop mm-hmm. to make <laughs> to make that like make that a fraudulent thing so eagle is gone uh and this has been rumored for months 
And so we are now seeing in back-to-back off-seasons, Discmania lose the players that brought it to prominence and made it the brand that it is. And it's really, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And I'm sure, well, I'm not sure. Perhaps we will get more of the backstory about why Eagle decided to leave Discmania. You know, is it a similar story as to Simon, where it was like time for a change? Or was it really about money? And I think either could be true. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a whole new world for both Eagle and Discmania because, you know, Discmania now, Kyle Klein and Ella Hansen, their most prominent athletes, those are great players. But it does feel like they need to make a move or people are going to be writing their, you know, their death story, even though it would be premature, even though it wouldn't be true. Uh, I do think they would suffer a slowdown in sales if they don't sign Gannon Burr. I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting as we watch how this has kind of unfolded because you see, I mean, when you think about players now and, and who have, who are well established with brands, were really like top faces at brands. It feels like there just are not very many, if any left, right? Like Paul, Paul now synonymous with this craft was, was Innova, right? Like yeah, that's where he started and, and nobody thought he would ever leave Innova <clears throat> and uh, Ricky going back to DD. And I mean, just there, there have been so many changes and I, you know, we joked about the Tiger Woods intro. This is business at the end of the day, and it has to be profitable for both sides. And while it's very easy to create like emotional attachments and fandom that connects them as part of a team, it's it's less of a team than even on professional level where you have like in, in like team based sports where they sign contracts with teams. Um, it it very much is like who is going to be able to make each other money and and the most money and create a business partnership and relationship that is going to be the most successful and as the dis and it it's i think i think i was naive to think that the covid landscape was not going to change disc golf so drastically that the old reasons why people are part of companies would not drastically change and i remember i mean we did we did a segment and i'm gonna i said that there was less than one percent chance the eagle was going to leave disc mania in the off season let's let hang uh, on right there go ahead yep let's play it let's hear what josh said about what two months ago <laughs> three months Not yeah, too long. something here it is okay. what what do you have for 0.1 percent chance of happening josh final yep. final category one in a thousand. One in a thousand. My one in a thousand. Eagle leaves Discmania. No. <laughs> Come on. It's got to be higher than that. No, no, I don't think so. And here's why. All right. So, Josh, respond to yourself. Uh, that's yeah. That, this is kind of what I was doing. I I I've gotten. I've gotten some messages in the Discord, uh, or not messages, but in the the Ulti World Discord, they were talking about, you know, this is another uh, forking <laughs> Isaac situation, and they're absolutely right. I I, I goofed this one, this terrible, terrible take, and, and I was I was naive to think that any contract 
that was established pre-COVID um, was not at risk of being completely and drastically shaken up because disc golf was completely and drastically shaken up. And whatever the reasons, Eagle said in his departure video that when he signed with Discmania back when he was 16 years old, that Discmania was not the highest offer. But he took them because of a gut feeling and it felt right. And, and he had and connections. He had connections. Austin right. Montgomery, Colorado. Like you can see why. Right. Right. It makes sense. And, and you know, this is pure speculation. He has not said where he's going. He's not said the terms of any contract. I don't know if it's money, but it, it really feels at this point that the decisions that are being made are very much business oriented. And of course, it, right. And they, they should be, they should be, it, it, but that's, it's just very different than the, the narratives and the way that people spoke about sponsorships pre COVID. And that, so that's, that's my biggest takeaway from this. Well, and, and, you know, you got to give credit because Eagle has been an incredible ambassador for disc mania as a brand. Yeah. Uh, he has always hyped the products. He has, you know, dealt with situations where he couldn't get stable enough plastic mm -hmm. and you know when they rolled out a new putter and it like wasn't right for him like he kind of dealt with that quietly and he's you know they're selling a cloud breaker in january 2024 and he's gonna go do a signing as like a what like a i'm going out the door i mean i'm sure he's gonna get paid for all that but like sure. it, it, it is a little he's been a great face of the brand mm-hmm and I'm sure it was difficult for him to walk away, given that, you know, he chose to stay with them for years. But here is the thing that is really underlying all of this. Discmania arguably had the best contracts in disc golf with Simon and Eagle because they had them on relative to their level, cheap deals throughout like into COVID times and as the boom was happening. Yeah. Eagle has been underpaid for sure for years. And it is the question is like how much negotiation was there on like bumping up that money? But like Eagle's not making Macbeth money. Mm -hmm. And he probably deserves to make Macbeth money. Now, if you want to talk about the injury status and the surgery that he's coming off of and like the risk there, okay, I hear all that. But, you know, look at Otani getting a mega deal as he goes through Tommy John and he's in his 30s. But like, you know what? Great players are great players and they are probably going to bounce back and you have to take a chance. So some company's going to take a chance. We'll find out who soon enough. And I think that you just. Somebody in the comments on Eagle's post, let me let me look this up. I want to get this exactly right. Uh, All things elevated on Instagram said, I guess this is the trend. Let a company make you rich, then bounce. I love Eagle and Simon. It's just crazy to me. Come on now. Like, if this is cope from a Discmania fan or something, because the idea that these guys got rich because of Discmania and not because of their skill and the and the value that they brought to Discmania to sell the discs that made Discmania a popular brand. The the correlation and causation is busted. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
their great play and personalities and vlogs and everything that they did as marketers, as influencers for the brand, that's what made Discmania money and that's what made them money. Mm-hmm. Where is Discmania without those guys? Oh, geez. It's a, it's doesn't, it's not, it's not even close to where it is today. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want to hear this like, oh, lack of loyalty. Come on. <laughs> you want to see loyalty. Discmania should have backed up the truck three years ago for these guys. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't have left. Yep. But they didn't. And then they tried to play catch up. And so, look, I'm sure Discmania is going to be fine. And I'll tell you why. Okay. No one is talking about this. But Josh, I saw this. If you read the article. Okay. Is this on like, the website okay. from Discmania, the Farewell Eagle piece, okay? Yep. Blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody's giving love. I'm sure there is plenty of, you know, appreciation on both sides for mm-hmm. the long partnership that they had. But at the bottom of this article, it says, With somber news, there's often a silver lining. We have a lot of new and exciting things on the horizon. Stay tuned to see what 2024 has in store. That's... Tell me you're signing Gannon Burr without telling me you're signing Gannon Burr. <laughs> I I think it's I mean it it feels it feels right the the previous connections the fact that they have tons of quote unquote cap space right money available to pay a top player it, it really does feel like all the stars are aligning uh, to to make Gannon Burr very, very and what, successful. What are they going to do? Right? Yeah. Gannon's like I have X deal from this other company. What are you going to do about it? This many is going to match it and exceed Absolutely. it because they have no choice. And I think it, it it sets them up for the next leg of what their growth. And, you know, will Gannon and Kyle Klein have this on course success that Simon and Eagle have had? I think that's very possible. Will they be as good of ambassadors for the brand? That's less clear. I think Discmania, they caught lightning in a bottle with two very, very skilled players who also happen to be extremely good at being like influencer marketers. And that, and that, that is correct. There's, I'm not going to dispute that even, even a little bit. The, the point I want to make though with Gannon, there's two things that are of, of note here. Both Gannon and Kyle are younger than Simon and Eagle, uh, significantly so. Um, in terms of del- like disc golf age, the other thing you know you've got the question marks of Eagle injury, but Kyle and Gannon have as many majors as Eagle and Simon do combined. They both won USDGC. Like you're right that they both have US based majors too. I mean, winning European Open and both they, at Peach State that, those are great majors. But but winning Eagle Eagle stands alone though. When I was writing the article about this, I, I looked it up. He's won more elite series and majors since he signed with Discmania in that span from 2016 to now, I think. Yep. Uh, he's won more elite series and majors than any players in MPO besides Paul Ricci. And he absolutely absolutely deserves credit. Now, it's it's also not fair to hold Gannon's longevity up against Eagles, right? Given that Gannon's only been touring for a couple of years, the kid's still eighteen, maybe nineteen now, and and so, you know that there's, but that's that's my point that I'm highlighting, right? Is that you have two massively talented disc golfers who are still very young, assuming Discmania signs Gannon, of round which they can build their brand, and 
Gannon deserves credit. He is very savvy when it comes to social media and his presence there. I agree. And and, and so, like, look, I think losing Eagle is going to be hard. And I think Discmania is going to have to go through a, a rebranding and creating a, a new identity in a new era of Discmania. If they do it behind Gannon, I think that they have a real superstar who has social media presence as well as the skills necessary to be a flagship player, though. I mean, let's let's look at this, right? Eagles 25, turned 25 this year yep. uh, in 2023. Simon turned 31 in yep. 2023. Kyle Klein is 21 and Gannon <laughs> is 18. And so if you're projecting, right, uh-huh. it's easy to think about what we've seen. Right. But if you're projecting ahead, you know, assuming Eagle comes back fully healthy, he could still have 10 years of tremendous level of play. Definitely. Simon is going to start declining soon. Yes. It's just a fact. From like a raw physicality and like athleticism perspective. Mm-hmm. And Kyle and Gannon aren't even close to their athletic peaks yet. They're still <laughs> ramping up. And so I think this mini is going to be fine. Assuming they sign Assuming Gannon, they sign Gannon. I think feels very, very likely to me. We'll we'll come back to this conversation if Gannon lands somewhere else. Okay. Okay. Um <laughs> Let's we we talked a little bit about last week where we thought Eagle might land, but let's talk about the impact of where I I think I have three destinations that I think are plausible for Eagle. Okay, okay, and maybe we'll get surprised. You never know. Mm-hmm. The number one option has to be MVP slash streamline. I mean, this the rumors have been clearly the strongest in this direction. Um, reuniting with Simon. Wouldn't that be just wild? What's the impact if he ends up at MVP? Uh, before I answer that question, I, I really want, if he signs the MVP, I want his press release to say, for years, this mania wouldn't make me a disc stable enough, so I'm going to the brand that <laughs> that only throws over stable plastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> impact for MVP. They, I, I'm, we talk, I think you brought this up, but uh, who, who owns the Crush Boys IP? Because that you know, Crush Boys 2.0. I don't know what that that is, right? But but the reuniting creates a an opportunity for branding and selling discs that uh, is is the Venn diagram. And it's it's I wouldn't even say like the thing is is that there are people who will buy Simon discs. There are people who buy Eagle discs. Both of, all those people will sign and buy Crush Boys discs. But there are a group of people who will buy Crush Boys discs, but not buy the other twos individually. And and it does expand and create an opportunity for more uh, disc sales, I think, in, in that area. It gives them, again, a very strong social media, YouTube, and and media presence, but also pairs it with, you know, what could be the, the top player for the next 10 years, um, as you mentioned, with Eagle. And it creates a second line of discs, right? That you have the Simon line and then you have the Eagle line and, and get to develop the Eagle line of discs that are right next to it. And it's, it's just a lot more plastic that you get to move. Uh, I'm curious to see. I think the downside, if you're MVP is that if you're Eagle, you see Simon's deal and you say, uh, I know, I know the terms of my deal, right? Like copy and paste, please. If, yeah, uh, you know, if you want least. me, I want, 
Yeah, right. At least that's if you're Eagle and you know exactly what Simon's getting, if you're coming over to MVP, that's how I open my negotiation is I pull out a copy of Simon's offer. I set it down. I say, here, here's here's my terms. This is what I want. And like, I'm curious to know, does Eagle move plastic in the same way that Simon did when he first comes over? I would think so. But but Simon is a unique player and and beloved by fans in a way that not even Eagle is. And I wonder what the impact of having two 10-year, $10 million deals on payroll creates for MVP in later years of those contracts with another player. I think if you're MVP, this is the it would be the coup of the century. <laughs> I mean, you're getting just monstrously popular, tremendously successful disc golfers. And like you've already made this big kaboom into the market. Mm-hmm. And the question for me would be, can they, can they follow through with the necessary capacity mm. to get great people question. the disc that they want? Because I've, I've talked to multiple people in retail mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. And they say that MVP is by far, by far the hardest to get stock from. And that, you know, just like regular, normal baseline discs, you can't get them. Mm -hmm. You can only get like special tour series drops and stuff, time lapse, which gets annoying for players if you don't like fulfill the basic needs of their bag. Not people are not going to only buy $25, $30 discs for their bag. They're just not. So I think that would be the thing for them. But it would be such a... Another to follow up <laughs> with a huge eagle sign. And remember, they're going to probably do a whole video and everything, just mm-hmm. like they did with Simon. And like the hype, the hype train would be just crazy, it would be massive, crazy. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you see some risk down the line. But if you can use these two moves to to bite off enough market share that people start using your discs, I mean, people are already. I've seen disc many people be like. I, my whole bag is Dismania, but I'm going to have to reevaluate that if, you know, Eagle doesn't resign. Yeah. Well, yep. here we are. So what's going to happen? More people are going to make the switch to MVP because they love the, these are their favorite players. Um, and, and you're drafting off of the image that Dismania built for these right. two players. Oh, that's, that's absolutely true. Yes. And so then, you know, sure, you're taking some risk, but like how risky is it really if you're biting off an extra 5% of market share. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, and what's the annual, like, okay, you're spending $2 million a year on marketing expense. Mm-hmm. What is the re- revenue for this company? It's a lot more than 2 million. Yeah. Yep. I think, I think it's, I think it's entirely affordable. Hey, MVP, uh, standing invitation. Uh, if you sign Eagle, please come on the show. We, we got we questions for, for you. Sure. Uh, so let's. W- what about Discraft? There's been a little bit of buzz okay. about maybe it's Discraft. He was seen throwing a Zone OS in a video back in December or something. What would this mean to Discraft if they signed Eagle? Discraft has started doing something that I think is really interesting, and and I wish we. I I remember thinking we need to talk about it, and I just think I think it kind of got lost. Um, during the holidays but discraft came out with the collaboration series where you had like 
Macbeth and Coriolis Luna's, I think was the mold. And right, like and different players are coming out with these or or it was Anthony Barella and, and Macbeth Luna's. Uh, and they did the Big Z Lunas, and it was the collab series. And, and to me, what I see when I, I see those series is that they are taking the the purchasing power of Macbeth, and they're pairing it with their players who don't sell discs in the same way, uh, which is probably everybody on their team, right? Like, not not to knock any of their individual players, but nobody moves plastic like Macbeth. And I know people who collect every Luna that comes out. And so when Anthony Barella and Paul Macbeth do a collab Big Z Luna, you're moving Anthony Barella plastic, right? And Anthony Barella gets some of that money. And and, and it's an opportunity to harness Macbeth's uh, marketing and branding power. Especially with Macbeth and his focus on the foundation, running the Florida tournament, the chess.com you know, invitational, these collab series, Macbeth is becoming bigger and bigger than just a competitive and top player and and that's been the case for years now and and an opportunity to bring eagle in as kind of that pairing where you get to use the branding and the power of and marketing power of Macbeth with a player who could be the top player for the next 10 years i think is a really smart opportunity for marketing and and one that discraft can really take advantage of um that that's how i see those two playing out and i and i i, I think that there's actually a, a, like a pretty good fit there that i hadn't considered prior to you know the official announcement of him leaving yeah it would it would definitely be a uh strength into strength signing for discraft who has the deep a deep much deeper bench than mvp yeah and star power and this would be like we are like we have the best team in disc golf right now right like that that would that would wrap it up yeah like they were already i think out we decided they were number one right over innova in the in the 2023 rankings poll i can't remember i don't remember what we decided Macbeth having a down year did not help right but they had a lot of other guys have good years mm-hmm. but you know either way um i think the story would be similar if he signed at innova which is that like okay like innova after maybe a little bit of a lean year on its star team uh, obviously Calvin playing fantastic, but like not obviously 100% consensus number one player, but this would be like, okay, we're going, we're back to our roots of like, we have the best players at the top of MPO and like choice of champions, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. The, the so, choice of champions is the choice of champion singular right now. Right. On the MPO side. Yeah. Right. It's a little thin on the star team. Um, so interesting to see what would happen there. So and how about for Dismania? If they don't sign Gannon Burr, what's the impact? I I think that I, I think that it is an interesting question about what the House of Discs business side is saying about sponsorship markets. We see Latitude not re-sign a bunch of kind of you know mid-level guys, second-tier guys. Eagle doesn't get re-signed. Like I wonder if they are just sitting down looking at and they're like re-signing players who have been with a company for more than five years does not give you nearly the ROI that like we think it does. Uh, that that's my big question mark for Dismania. I, I'm hesitant to be like, oh no, like Dismania is down the drain when they have a 
huge corporate, like part of a huge corporate entity now and like what that can mean for them. Um, they still have Kyle, they still have Ella. And I'm just very curious how house of discs is, is kind of approaching this part of the marketing and disc golf industry. And if maybe it's just a little bit different than what past tradition has told us is best. There's a lot of unanswered questions for me right now about house of discs and how they're approaching stuff. Because if Nicholas ends up at latitude 64, then it's like, okay, they like lateral moved him to what they're now making a European focused brand more so even than it is now. Sure. And there, and then, and then if Dismania brings in Ganon, then you're like, okay, that all makes a lot of sense. Right. <laughs> but if they lose Nicholas to a Discraft or a whoever, mm-hmm. and so, the, you know, Latitude's Excuse War doesn't sign anybody. And then, you know, if they don't sign Ganon at Dismania, then it's like, okay, well, is your strategy to just like cut costs as much as you can? Because I'm not sure that's going to work out for the long term. Every company comes back to signing the big players. Remember all those years Discraft had like DOS and nobody else? Mm-hmm. Like DOS wasn't even touring. And everybody was like, Discraft, you know, what a what a loser company. What you know, they, their team sucks. And then they signed Macbeth and completely overhauled Everything. what people thought of them yes. as a business. Yep. And the popularity of their discs went through the roof. Like everybody comes back to signing players because it's good marketing. Sure. And so I'm really curious to see where conglomerate, you know, private equity backed company is going to do in the sponsorship department Mm -hmm. because it's been quiet so far. It's been all net negative so far. Right. Have they signed anybody of note? Not not even of note. Like like they re-signed a couple of guys and, and that's it. I'm like looking at the, I mean, they have some, Latitude 64 has some promising names from Europe, but nobody that's like a, a huge name. Not Nicholas. And, you know, Discmania is kind of sitting tight on the players that they've had in the past. I mean, Kyle Klein is under a long-term deal through 2026. So, you know, that's that's kind of where, that's their best player yep. by far. Uh, interesting. At, at House of Discs, you mean? I was specifically a disc mania. Okay, all right. <laughs> Obviously, House of Disc. Kristen is the star, right? Well, you got Kristen, and then you also. I mean, you got to kind of include Ricky, rap Ricky, in there with with Kyle Klein, right? Like, sure, sure. Um, all right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we have a we have an interesting chart from a disc golf coach. He's ranking his top fifteen power throwers in the world. We're gonna talk about it next. the quality of our gear runs deeper than the stitching. That's why we make everything right here in the U.S., employing highly skilled, well-paid professionals. From bomb-proof Cordura fabric to YKK zippers and recycled plastics, we source the highest quality U.S. materials to make the most comfortable, durable pack in disc golf. Our lifetime warranty stays with the pack, not the purchaser. So regardless of how you find us, we will be here to make sure your pack stays on the course and out of the landfill. 
pound's integrity is held together with more than just thread. Welcome back to the Upshot. So, Josh, we got a little we got a little table to look at, mm-hmm. a little chart. Here it is. This is Coach Taylor's top fifteen power throwers. His 2023-2024 world rankings. Okay. Who is this guy? Well, he's a disc golf coach. He's got an Instagram account. It's uh, Coach Chris Taylor with underscores between the words. And he made this little table of top 15 power throwers. Now, you'll see that it contains a number of statistics from the tech disc data that you can get with the tech disc product that you throw the disc and it tracks how hard you threw it with how much spin, nose angle, uh, how much wobble you have in your throws, all of that stuff. Now, you'll see that these are not an objective ranking, but rather his personal subjective ranking that is loosely related to the data. So whether or not you want to talk about the rankings themselves, we can. But I'm interested in looking a little bit more at the data and kind of comparing it to each other. So number one on this list, which I mean, if I don't, I don't think you have a legitimate list. If David Wiggins Jr. is not number one <laughs> on the list, um, he has the highest recorded tech disc number on this chart. Although mm-hmm. I think Barella has been speed gunned at higher values in the past. I think past. that's correct. But David Wiggins Jr. eighty four point seven mile per hour release, fifteen hundred and fifty two revolutions per minute, a minus one point four degree nose angle. Uh, but a, a good amount of wobble, 6.9. I mean, I don't exactly know what that number means, <laughs> but the highest number on this list. But right. I mean, the dude throws the absolute crap out of the disc. Right, right. Yes, that's if you didn't know that. Um, uh, welcome from out. Uh, welcome to the real world and climbing <laughs> out from under your rock. Like, yeah, yeah I, it makes sense. And, and I think it provides a nice benchmark for looking at those statistics, right? Because I, I, I don't. No, I've not followed a ton of this tech disc data and and what it all means exactly. And and so it's hard. I mean, miles per hour is easy to kind of contextualize because of baseball pitching, right? You can look at like I know baseball sure. pitching speeds. I look at this and I go, okay, I see like it makes sense to me. I know how, you know, I could I understand those numbers. Fifteen hundred RPMs doesn't mean anything to me. Uh not right. yet. Right? Not, not yet. yet. Exactly. Not yet. Spin and, rate's a big thing in baseball. Yes. Because of the impact that it has on the breaking ball and whatnot. Right. We don't really talk about it in disc golf yet, but that's because we haven't had the tools. And like we actually have the tools now. And we can look at the RPM spin rate comparison of these different players. Exactly. Because I think there's some interesting notes there. And, and that's exactly the point I wanted to bring up, right? So so David Wiggins comes in at the 1500 RPM mark, the negative 1.4 nose angle, and the 6.9 wobble. And that allows us then to look down this list and kind of contextualize that because we know how far David Wiggins Jr. throws and take that miles per hour, which has been the base metric of how we've measured how, like, oh, yeah, that someone throws far. Look how fast they throw and provide the rest of the statistics and then work it down with the rest of this chart. So very interesting exercise. And I'm excited to, to talk a little bit about this. Okay, so let me just give you the list. If you're listening on the podcast and not watching on YouTube, just so that you have his rankings of top 15 mm-hmm. starting at number one david wiggins jr anthony barella eagle mcmahon christian quoxa ellie mittling albert tom simon lazat double g rasmus salkoripi ella hansen alex geisinger henna blomrus adam hammis ezra aderhold thomas gilbert 
Now, obviously, like by definition, like some of the women on this chart do not throw as far as the men on this chart. But you get the concept here, right? Like relative to their division, mm-hmm. you know, having Ellie Midling in five doesn't feel crazy. She legit throws 70 miles per hour. <laughs> that is five miles per hour faster than Ella Hansen throws. And she's wow, she's 16, right? Right. I think I she some, turned 16 this year. I think that so. is Something just so like crazy. Yeah. We are potentially witnessing like future superstar emerging before our eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's okay. I gotta draw attention, Josh, to Double G. Okay, I are, yes. are, are you surprised he's at eight on this list? First of all, uh, I was surprised I, I, when I when I without looking at the data when I just looked at the list when Double G was an eight, especially behind you know like, like Simon right now. Albert Tom, I I probably would have him. I thought Double G was top five, probably maybe okay, not number one sure. anymore. But I thought like bottom, like top, like yeah, like Wiggins, Barella, sure, like Quoxa, fine, and then Double G, right? and then like, the Double G, yeah, 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 exactly. But here, this is amazing, and this is why I think this data is going to be like long term revolutionary mm-hmm. for disc golf, as especially as we learn to coach it better. Double G has the lowest miles per hour on his throw of any of the men on this list. Mm-hmm. 75.3. Obviously still an elite number, but below Ezra Aderhold, Adam Hammes, well below AB and David Wiggins. Mm-hmm. But does he really... I mean, obviously AB throws farther than him, but he is like next up. Yes. But look at this, 75.3, but he has the highest spin rate, 1,675 RPMs, that's 125 more than David Wiggins. And his nose angle, minus 7.2 degrees. Crazy. With the lowest wobble on this chart, 1.2. He has the cleanest, spinniest release of any power thrower that we know of right now. Mm-hmm. With an extremely aggressively downward nose angle, right? He gets that high release with the negative nose angle, and that's how you throw far in disc golf. It's it's I look at Ella Hansen as well, right? She she's a full five miles an hour behind Ellie Midling, but is about eighty rotations per minute faster. But her nose angle, Ellie Midling is negative point one, Ella Hansen six negative six point seven, uh, half the wobble that yep. Ellie has. I mean, it's, same thing. It's I, it's exactly the same story there. I I think this shows that Ellie Midling has room to grow. I agree. Because you look at the other top power throwers, and they're mostly throwing with more downward nose angle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and and that's what's interesting to me is I wonder if David Wiggins and Anthony Barella were to work on getting that nose angle down to you know the double G or Ella Hansen levels. Does that does that mean they have more distance capacity with the that, right coaching? That is the question. Like, is there more in the tank? Right, or is it because they throw so hard they can't put that much downward angle on it? Uh, th- this G- genuinely just don't know uh, exactly like the physics of flight enough. And I don't think do, do we have the tools to talk about this yet? As, as, as you know, even like for elite experienced throwers, I don't. I don't think so. That's that's why I mean this is fascinating. But it's it's it is the first step in a very long journey. To getting to the point where we can coach throwing and nose angle and and coach the top players to be better, 
right? You, you can you could take an amateur and and have them throw a disc, right? If you and I were to go throw with this tech disc, like anybody could look at that data and be like, I uh, you got a couple. I mean. Your your miles per hour are quite slow, even for your division, yeah, right? Like, I've I've thrown uh, it, Josh. I uh, have you. I don't think I'd make this list. <laughs> I have, yeah. It's okay. really cool. I think my biggest problem is nose angle. Oh, okay. Which is unsurprising, as I have an come from an ultimate background. I throw sure. a lot of nose up, and that's hard yeah. for me to correct that. That makes uh, sense. I also don't throw particularly hard, but I, you know, I've never really worked on my form. But this this is the kind of thing that you could throw a couple times, and you're like, oh, like I have very obvious things to get better at. What what's interesting then now right exactly so so that that's that's exactly the point amateurs easy you look at it you see it you know it the the interesting question is is it more is it is it if David Wiggins Jr. kept his miles per hour the exact same is the fifteen hundred RPMs with a negative one point five nose angle and lots of wobble preferable to one hundred and sixty seven RPMs with a negative seven point two nose angle right, right. right? okay. That, I, I just want to point this out. Yeah. I think what we're going to do is in our Inside the Circle bonus segment for subscribers, we're going to have the Tech Disc founder on the show. If he will, I, I have not talked to him about it yet. So we got to check. Yep. But we'll have him on and we'll talk about some of this stuff. What have you seen? Where, like, like, look at these numbers and let's talk about. The, let's contextualize them for what you've seen so far. I mean, this product has only existed for like six months or something. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we have years and years of data. But I would imagine we'll be able to talk more about how some of those, you know, like should you throw less hard but with more spin, like relatively, right? right. Would it be better if AB threw 78 with 100 more rotations per minute on the disc? I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> but it is pretty cool who, who was the biggest surprise to you on this list uh i think the biggest surprise is that christian quoksa throws 83 miles per hour because <laughs> I, I i knew he was a bomber but like that's like real big number that's that's, that's more than number. ab <laughs> yeah that's that's a big number <laughs> what, what about you um i i would probably say the the bottom th bottom two guys oh, two of the bottom guys the Adam Hammes and Tolbert Gil Thomas Gilbert made that made the list I, I, you, you you sleep you're sleeping on Thomas Gilbert I'm sleeping he's, on both of them to be honest if you would if you would just now Thomas Gilbert has the second highest spin rate after double G at 1600 so uh, also um, the second lowest wobble rate double G's 1.2 Thomas I, Thomas Gilbert's 1.4 I gotta be honest I mean I knew he was a big thrower but I in some ways I agree yeah. 70 miles an hour 1600 rpm i like why isn't he be playing better oh, <laughs> right um so so i saw that i mean i would have expected i think it's easy to uh to associate top players with distance right so so sure. if you would ask me for my list a lot of these make sense i wouldn't have had thomas gilbert on i probably would have had gannon burr in his place right uh and, or even a little higher up and i probably would have had calvin somewhere on that list and and i know calvin's you know his impressiveness comes from his golf shots, but still, I, I think you associate further throwers with with uh, success on tour, and because you consider it a prerequisite. But I think we're reaching a point where you have top players who like there's a, a certain distance threshold of what you truly need, and then the rest is just kind of gravy and, and doesn't necessarily separate you in the same way.
I just looked up Thomas Gilbert's stats. Yeah. 388th on tour in fairway hits. 432nd in OB rate. Over 20%. It doesn't matter if you can throw far if you can't throw it straight. There it is. But I mean, you wonder, like, take a little off. Could, could he Could he step up? It's a lot of very promising players still. Yeah. Um, fascinating stuff. We will discuss it more in our Inside the Circle segment. So join us there. Discolf.ultiworld.com slash subscribe. Get into the Discord. Get ready for all of our live react shows this year. Looking forward to the season. Uh, that's going to do it for today's edition of The Upshot. Thank you very much, Josh. And we will talk to you all next Thursday in two days right here on The Upshot.